Welcome to Model Rail Radio. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this is being recorded live on Skype June 4th, 2016. Model Rail Radio is the internet's only live recorded radio show where the topic is the hobby of model railroading. A gentleman I haven't had the pleasure of talking with for a while, Mr. Terry Terrence. Terry, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm just fine, Tom. How are you? Doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's rather hot here in California, so a two-hour show is probably going to be my limit this evening, but... In terms of your model railroading hobby, when we last spoke to you, you had a 3D printer, you had a number of projects in the works, I hear a little snickering. What's your model railroading update? Well, uh, I've been very, very busy. Don't let anyone ever tell you that retiring is a simple thing. Mm. So I've been retired for almost a month now, and it's taken up, <laughs> taken up a lot of time to get here. Very good. But I now also, you're here, what's yeah. it looking like? Well, let's see. Uh, I did the Mid-Central Region Convention with Matt Goodman the end of April. Uh, beginning of April, I was up at uh, uh, the Chicago O-Scale Show where I ran into Jim Lincoln. Yes, he was there. So, uh, so that's been my more recent things. May 21st, I had an open house here at my layout for the local O-Scale group. And uh, it was our first chance to try out my layout running under JMRI. And mm. believe it or not, it was well-received. Uh, didn't quite expect that from a group which is generally not the first to adopt new technology. Mm. But uh, they did they, – everyone ran all the trains, ran uh, via tablets. Mm-hmm. Uh, people got the hang of it fairly quickly. We also checked the you know, began to check the operational scheme for the layout, which is helper service. So we pushed several trains in both directions with helpers and without incident that I remember. Maybe we had one derailment, but no more than that. So all in all, it was very successful. And uh, I'm getting ready to spend the week out at the NMRA National in Indianapolis, where I'm doing several clinics. And uh, just busy, busy, busy. Hmm. So, Terry, I met you January last year. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about your plans for retirement. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, actual... I mean, obviously, you've been doing little bits and pieces. You've been going and speaking, mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. What kind of plans do you have for your layout in the next six months? In the next six months, after the um, open house I had in May... I sat down and wrote down a list of about 15 to 20 things I have to do before I can have a viable operating session. So my intent is to have a true operating session by the end of October-ish, thereabouts. Mm. It will run with a a sequence timetable, so things will happen in sequence. We're not going to run fast clock or anything first time around. The intent is to have uh, a number of additional locomotives on the layout. I have only a relatively few number now, so I have to get cracking installing decoders. 
we will push probably four to maybe five trains each direction. And so maybe eight to 10 trains total. And that will be the operating session. I expect it will last probably two to three hours. That's the intent. Get that accomplished by October. Mm. I hope to have a little bit of scenery in by then. Mm -hmm. But uh, scenery is not on the list of essential things to do. Essential things are uh, getting switch motors on the last of the crossovers, which are critical to being able to operate the layout, getting more equipment out on the layout, taking care of a few known trouble spots. Uh, most of the electrical upgrade to the layout was accomplished last year. So we have uh, plenty of power districts now are up and operational, probably getting, again, all of the new locomotives into JMRI because so, we will run this session with JMRI. We'll have controllers in reserve if people, you know, don't feel that they're up to using JMRI, but I have JMRI running. I have oh, four or five tablets to use as throttles. So that's that's the way I want to take the layout in the future. It certainly seems like the right direction. In terms of your group, in terms of the local low-scale group, mm-hmm. you did mention that they are, hmm, let's say, conservative, associated with their adoption of certain technologies. Do you think your layout will inspire any of them to start looking towards things like JMRI? I think it has already. I met some of the people this afternoon was another open house at a gentleman in actually living in the district. Mm. And uh, some of the people who were at my open house were there and I didn't hear anything negative. I know at least one of them is, is pretty much committed to getting JMRI up and running on his layout. There was also an inquiry about signaling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not demonstrate Panel Pro, uh, part of JMRI, because I didn't have any of that working. But I did explain that Panel Pro can help with the signaling on a layout. So I think there will be some adopters. I don't think it's going to ever be the majority. Mm -hmm of our group here because some of them are just too far down the line of whatever DCC system they have. But I think uh, one of the gentlemen is actually his layout is still a building because he gave up narrow gauge and now he's doing Delaware and Hudson in uh, mainline type modeling Mm. and his layout is still building. I'm pretty sure he's going to be one of the people who adopts JMRI. And I think uh, if, if some of them are contemplating going on to signaling, they may adopt that part of JMRI without adopting running their trains with JMRI. Speaking of adoption, one of the things that I was looking forward to in terms of your retirement was your appearance on Facebook. Are you considering doing that in the near future? Uh, I'm still looking at it. I'll probably do it because now there's there's fewer ramifications to uh, errant Facebook posts now that I'm retired. <laughs> can't affect my job in any way, shape, or form because I don't have a job. <laughs> Very good. I think the Model Rail Radio Facebook community is relatively unique. I mean, we've got the mailing list, but actually on Facebook, and I was talking with Andy Dixon on location only a few weeks ago, and he credits the Facebook group as being like a central reason that he is you know, building his layout and heavily in the hobby because of the camaraderie that exists through the Facebook group. I think you already have a new media presence in terms of your blog and videos and these kind of things. But it would be really nice to have you on the Facebook group as well to 
contribute both content but also feedback for folks who are you know are on the Facebook group on a regular basis. So if I can invite you formally, <laughs> probably, to probably, probably Tom about the time of the national because between now and the mm. national I am book solid. So I I don't want to get you know drawn into any uh, Facebook activity, but about the time of the national. Remind me, and I'll jump on. Definitely. Speaking of speaking of the national, are you contemplating going? Is anyone contemplating going to the national? Well, I think a few people are. I'm not sure. Is anyone on the call contemplating going to the national? Show of hands, something like that. Show of hands. I'm going, but I'll I won't be there. Be, I, won't, I won't be at the NMRA part of it. I'll be at the train show. So that's one for Ralph Franzetti. Who else will be there? I'll be there. This is Jim. Ah, of course. What would a national be without Jim Gore? <laughs> Very good. Very good. For me, I'm not sure. I mean, it's probably erring towards no. I think my week in the UK seemed to be enough for my manager in terms of just general heart palpitations and other related stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be at the national this year, unfortunately, Terry. But I'm looking forward to your participation on Facebook so I can start seeing a photo presence of Terry Terrence at the national. Well, I have a lot to catch up on. I haven't posted to my blog in a whole long time. And in fact, I've been losing followers. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah, not not a good sign. But I have some uh, some really interesting stuff coming coming. So hopefully, I'll be able to get some of the people back. And in terms of the world of microcontrollers, I'm not sure if are you presenting anything at the national Terry? Yes, I am. I'm presenting a an expanded uh, microcontroller clinic, and that whole field is just I, – I can't even keep up with it. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. I'm hoping to add some material on the new Raspberry Pi Zero if I can get my hands on one. Mm. Uh, it doesn't fit the mold in, in as much as uh, the Raspberry Pi Zero – does require an operating system to operate and your setup is via keyboard and and screen as opposed to just squirting in some code through your computer but you know a, a, a computer single computer on a board or a computer on a chip at a five dollar price point if they can actually build them at that price point it's going to be very interesting very hard to ignore mm. There's certainly a movement which you'll see at the National associated with LCC, which is the NMRA branded version, I think. It's LCC and OpenLCB, so yes, LCC. You'll mm. meet some of those folk, hopefully, too. Have you had much exposure to them? Well, actually, I met this strange story. I, uh, I met some of them at Springfield mm. back in January, and uh, Jim uh, Lincoln was there as well, and he pointed out that one of the guys there at the open LCC booth, I hardly call it a booth, but at the tables at Springfield, we had actually met that night at the Silicon Valley lines when we operated. Mm, there. And yes. I went back and checked the photographs I took and sure as heck enough, <laughs> <laughs> that was the guy who was there operating one of the yards at the Silicon Valley line. So it's a small world. So yes, I did uh, make some contact with them. They actually had at Springfield, some boards designed for the uh, Texas Instruments launch pad. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to follow up on that, and I sent the requisite emails, but I haven't heard anything back. So I have to get back on top of that. But it's just been busy, busy, busy since Springfield and uh, until now. So mm. I have a lot of catching up to do. 
<laughs> well, I've got to congratulate you again for retirement. I think it's it's the vision of all of us working schlubs that one day we might have that final period where we can actually work on stuff that interests us. And, uh, yeah, please do provide updates. I'm really looking forward to you getting on Facebook. And it sounds like your work with JMRI might actually evangelise it in your community, which would be very interesting to see some of the layouts of the, the O-scale folk around you converting over to JMRI. I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case because uh, O-scale for sure needs to, uh, to move into the uh, latter part of the 20th century at least. <laughs> Pretty good, Terry. Always a pleasure chatting. Please stay on the call. If anything comes up, you know what to do. I'd like to welcome back on another gentleman who I've been looking forward to talking to uh, for quite some time, Jim Gore. You've been to South America. You've been all over the place doing bits and pieces. What's going on with your model railroading hobby? Well, yeah, life gets in the way of model railroading sometimes. Um <laughs> But actually, gosh, I think since the last time we've talked, I did a whole bunch of new photo backdrops on my layout and getting ready for the SN3 uh, convention. I was part of the layout tour. That was ooh, last February or March. Good. And then, uh, and then since then, I've been uh, installing a few new uh, cardstock structures and then uh, getting ready for national. And uh, I've discovered that I have about a year and a month to uh, – get my layout again ready for a layout tour for the uh, National Orlando a year from now. Gosh. So that will be interesting. And uh, somewhere in between, somebody grabbed me. I think it was Stephen Priest or mm -hmm. Cynthia Priest, one of the two, and had me write a couple of articles about, what are they calling it? The NMRA Pinup Calendar Tour. <laughs> which is actually if uh there's a guy named greg komar who's a professional photographer and he's mm -hmm. been photographing layouts and uh i think for the last four consecutive years one of his photos has appeared on the cover of the nmra calendar mm. and so it's uh it's essentially a tour going to visit all of those layouts mm plus mine for comic relief. Very good. So, uh, <laughs> so that will be there. Actually, I think Greg's uh, one of Greg's photographs is actually going to appear for the fifth straight year on the cover of the NMRA calendar this year. So he's quite a photographer. Very good, very good. Yep. And yeah, I've been in uh, Colombia a few times. And that was that was kind of interesting. And then uh, about uh, three weeks ago, I lost the vision in my left eye, so now I'm doing one-eyed oh. modeling for a while. <laughs> Duh. So, oh well, it was surgery, and and the the sight is returning, but it Very will good. be a little bit of one-eyed modeling for a while. <laughs> right. Very interesting. So, when you were down in Colombia, did you get mm -hmm. any model railroading stuff in there, or? I could not find a hobby shop, could Duh. not find anybody interested, at least in and around Bogota. So um, maybe down on the coast where the tourists go to uh, Cali or someplace like, someplace like that maybe, but uh, not in Bogota. Mm. So, <laughs> But I had plenty of other things to do, so it didn't, uh, didn't bother me that much. I just wanted to make contact with somebody down there. Yes, but, uh, I searched the Facebook group. I was, could have right. sworn there were... Uh, Colombians, but it turned out I found Argentinians, Brazilians, Argentinians. a yep. variety yep. of folk. But we keep <laughs> having more and more folk from South America join the Facebook group, so I'm confident maybe sometime in the next six months I might catch myself a Colombian and send them your way. Well, that would be wonderful. <laughs> so in terms of the national, for folks who are <laughs> attending, 
what can they expect from your clinic this year? Well, I've got, uh, of course, I'm part of Modeling with the Masters. Mm. And so there will be a uh, evening, I think it's Tuesday evening of the convention. Uh, there'll be a session from 7.30 until everybody gets run out of the room, usually between <laughs> 10 and 11 at night. Very good. On cardstock models. And uh, that's the last time. So you get it now or you don't Gosh. get it at all. And I know that there are 21 or 22 signed up for it right now. Mm. Which is about the limit. I think the limit's twenty-four, something like that. Um, now, the next next uh, rotation, we have to come up with a different topic because they only do the topic that we've chosen for two years in a row. So we did that in Portland. We'll do that again in uh, Indianapolis, and then in Orlando, I've got to choose a new topic. And I've thought about a couple of things. One is uh, painting and uh, staining um, plaster castings. Oh, cool. And uh, either that or I'm going to talk about building some foreground trees using uh, Super Sage and uh, simultaneously with um, Super Trees to make some very, very fine, ornate uh, foreground sort of uh, trees. And so I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do, but I'll let uh, Clark decide that ultimately. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then somewhere down along, uh, I think around a Thursday, something like that, I'm giving a separate clinic external to... Uh, modeling with the masters about uh, my latest adventures in uh, uh, test building a kit for uh, clever models uh, cardstock kit of the Chama Coling Tower. Um, it was it was an interesting adventure. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. Mm. And uh, I finished the model, uh, but I think they're never going to produce it. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, clever models, clever models of the UK outfit, aren't they? No, they're in Chicago. Oh, okay. Actually. Okay, I'm thinking of another. I'm thinking of another model, paper model, cardstock modeling company in the UK. Interesting. So, for folks who aren't familiar, we have a lot of new listeners that are coming in on a kind of month by month basis. Super Sage. Can you get Super this Sage. in your local Home Depot? Where, where do you buy Super Sage? Uh, Super Sage you can get through uh, Scenic Express, for example, and uh, it's actually just uh, sage brush that's cut short. the the main The main stem of the sage plus a few the major branches coming off the main stem. So they're usually anywhere between about four and oh eight inches high or so. Mm. That's just the sage brush itself, and that's that represents the basic armature. And I've seen people use, say, some kind of a fine floss or something like that, and then sprinkling uh, uh, some kind of ground foam or something like that leaf material over it. But one of the things that I've been doing is using super trees mm. and uh, just using a glue pot, a hot glue pot, and essentially putting small pieces of super sage onto the main mm-hmm. armature so that you've got very small branches branching off of the larger super sage armatures. And um, then using some very fine uh, leaf material of one sort or another mm-hmm. to make the uh, trees. And these I'm using to represent on my particular layout to represent uh, cottonwoods. But uh, they could be used for for any kind of a large deciduous tree. They wouldn't be very good for something else that I need a lot of, which is aspens. But uh, <laughs> they're not very good for that, but they are good for uh, for cottonwoods. And so I've been using them to make cottonwoods. So for the home gardener, though, what you're talking about is basically bonsai sage. You just grow regular sage and then cut it off at a particular Well, you can point. do that, yeah. This is a sage that, that, I mean, there are something like 215 different species of sage oh, in yeah. North America. Oh, yeah. And so um, it reminds me a lot of the sage that I saw when I was a kid growing up in New Mexico and in, in uh, Colorado. 
So it's it's a sage that appears just about everywhere, but bonsai sage would do do well too. Yeah, very good. Just about any kind of sage. <laughs> <laughs> so, gosh, so you've got a couple of possible topics, but Karkuni's known for kind of throwing in curveballs. So it sounds like you might be talking about something completely different if Clark comes up with a better topic. Well, I've already suggested either one to Clark, and Clark said, "Well, whichever you want," but mm. I still let him decide. <laughs> Very good, very good. So in terms of your layout, you're, it's constantly changing, you're constantly adding mm-hmm. things. The photo backdrop stuff, I'm not sure if we've had an opportunity to talk about that previously. No. What's uh, your particular philosophy with photo backdrops? Well, I tried two different types the, uh, this uh, past episode, and um, the photo backdrops, I think, have got to be fairly representative of the area that you want to appear in the background, but not distracting. Mm. Um, I, I tried two different types, one which had an adhesive background, and I will never, ever, ever use <laughs> an adhesive background again. Very good. Very it good. took me and my wife, Sue, about three hours to get this thing to lay down, and you're talking only a distance of about three feet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other one on the other side of uh, – it's, it's actually sort of a, a scenic divide um, – was produced by the same company but without the uh, adhesive background. Mm. And I just used a spray-on glue and a roller, and it went on in about 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. And so I've decided that's the way to go. Uh, one of them, one side represents sort of a, of a volcanic caldera, very close to what the caldera that I imagine my railroad running to, mm. um, uh, uh, essentially about 8,500 feet uh, north of uh, Los Alamos. And the other one looks, uh, I think, the photograph actually is from somewhere in idaho but it looks remarkably like the background that i remember seeing in santa fe so mm. that's uh that's what those two uh two new photo backdrops are so it's just usually de- it's just designed to give you a feel for the environment Absolutely. rather than to be too distracting one of the fellows at the sn3 convention came and and my major backdrop is actually of of some mountains in the southern Colorado, and he pointed out all of the mountains to me and told me exactly the names of each one of the peaks, and I thought, ah, that's too specific then. I've got to, uh, <laughs> I've got to change that one now. So hopefully before Orlando, I will have changed that backdrop as well to make it look a little bit more like northern New Mexico than southern Colorado. Alas, alas. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, life goes on. It's interesting feedback associated with the spray-on glue because my wife uses a product like that for her quilting Mm -hmm. and it's very forgiving for mistakes, whereas the adhesive product, where it's already applied, is not so forgiving for mistakes. So I think that's certainly good advice to our listeners to try a a spray-on product for uh, for applying back. No question. Yeah, I just used a 3M spray and it, Mm -hmm. it, uh, it was quite nice and it rolled on easily, so... I, I prefer the photo backdrops because I'm a horrible painter. So <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting, actually. A few folk on the Facebook group have been experimenting with painting recently, and results vary. And mm-hmm. it seems to be, I know for a period of time there were a number of DVDs and probably prior to that a number of VHS tapes associated with trying to teach people how to paint. But it's a skill where some people have it and some people just don't. And for the folks that aren't confident with regards to their painting ability... And there seems to be a lot of, like, there's a discussion associated with using, like, Google Street View and a variety of things with some touching mm-hmm. up. But you're just using you're just using commercial products here, right? These are all commercial products, right? Yeah. 
and uh, um, I've I've actually got a, a trip planned to uh, back to Los Alamos this coming uh, this coming summer, about another month or two, mm. and I'm going to use uh, go up into the caldera of the volcano and uh, and do a uh, a very a whole set of uh, photographs to uh, panorama type thing to to create into the next backdrop. So, mm. Jim, it always sounds uh-huh. like you're having fun. Oh, always. I'll try to uh, I'll try to find some Colombian listeners if you seem to be going there recent in the in the foreseeable future. Where, are you going to be head, heading back to California anytime soon? Uh, it will be the about the same time I did last year, about the first week of November. Okay. Before then, uh, well, actually, before then, I'm going to take a, uh, a a train trip. We've decided to do the Empire Builder from Chicago Very out nice. to Glacier National Park, and then go down to Yellowstone and pick up the. Uh, let's see, I've forgotten which one it is. Going back to Chicago, so uh, we're going to do that in August, and then uh, we're going to do the uh, GAN going from uh, Darwin down to Adelaide at the uh, Narrow Gauge Convention too in in uh, Australia next spring. Very good, very good. So, in terms of your Australian visit, mm-hmm. are you going to be heading to South Australia at all? Any chance of meeting up with Jim Gifford? Are you meeting Jim Gifford in sometime in the near future as well? Jim said he was meeting a bunch of folk before even coming to the US. Well, I've not contacted him, but I certainly will. Uh, I'd be glad to see him at the National. Ah, and, yes, that's uh, the place you're going to be meeting. Jim right, Gifford, and uh, I suppose if he's going to be at the uh, Narrow Gauge Convention, we'll be there. That's in Geelong, and I will be in... Uh, Adelaide for a couple of days. Very That's cool. About as, yeah. Well, if you're going to be at the Narragage Convention, I mm-hmm. have heard that the tickets are now available and the clinics are now up on the website. So, as of, yeah, as of yesterday. I don't know about the clinics, but okay. uh, I know that the registration was up as of yesterday. Very good. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm sure the clinics will be up there as well. I suspect so. <laughs> but yes. Important, uh, the last produced episode, I still have an episode that's nearly finished in terms of the post-production, but the last episode that referenced the uh, Narrow Gauge Convention occurring this year was, of course, an April Fool's joke that I tried right. to smuggle in a little late. <laughs> it was a mistake, a genuine mistake on my part, but anyway. Jim, it sounds like you've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up, and um, yeah, please do call back in and give us an update when you have a chance. Oh, absolutely. Good no talking problem. to you. And uh, yeah, it's been an awfully long time since we last chatted. Yeah, it's, I think it's been about six months. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it was when we met in Sacramento, actually. That could maybe be. you called in after. Anyway, always a pleasure be. chatting, Jim. Please start okay. the line. If anything comes up, that. you know what to do. Yep. of uh, Jim Gifford. I'm currently sitting, recording in the Jim Gifford suite, awaiting oh, his arrival. <laughs> so for folks listening in, you are planning an epic trip. And are you catching up with Peter Stimple before you go? Am I right in that? Um, I've given Peter the dates on uh, of all the places on the trip mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll catch up. And uh, I am planning on going to the Narragos Convention in Geelong. Okay. So, um, who was the US listener that was meeting you before you go? Though I, my my memory is not as good as it used to be. Seth Gartner. I think ah, Seth is. Gartner. Yes. Yes. Terrific. Yeah, he's in Adelaide uh, next Saturday night. So. Great. Great. So, is he coming down to see your layout, or are you just meeting him for a meal? Uh, meeting him for desserts because he comes in from Kangaroo Island at eight thirty in the evening. Okay, and he flies out at nine a.m. the next morning. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Well, any opportunity to meet Seth Gardner, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a layout. It's, I think it might be a little smaller than yours, but roughly, you know, 
similar kind of uh, similar kind of size, kind of that upper medium to large size layout. So yes, excellent. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, in relation to the trip, I, this month's blog, I put all the dates and mm-hmm. towns that we're in on the right right at the bottom of the blog post. So. Um, and uh, made a comment if I happen to be somewhere near where you are and you might be available for a meal in the evening, um, following what Tom does when Tom goes away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, you can't imagine what happened in the UK, Jim Gifford. It was truly an amazing experience. I think uh, you hold, obviously, the gold star. You hold the pinnacle associated with the barbecue and the multiple layouts and, you know, a friend from uh, high school and all this other stuff. But the folks at South of London, they were pulling out a number of stops associated with my visit, uh, which was very, very wonderful. I mean, it was just amazing to see their narrow-gauge layout, full-size narrow-gauge layout, I should point out. And, yeah, the, also catching up with Andy Dixon, not to be shrugged at. Andy's got a, a wonderful layout in a really nice part of the UK as well, and my first experience in Wales. But you... You're, are you meeting Andy Dixon on your journey as well? Oh, we are going to Wales, but looking where he lives and where we're going, we're at, we're at the bottom end. He's at the uh, top end. Yes, he's at the top end. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- however, um, the invites there. We're in York for three days, mm. so um, we'll just have to see who's around there. Um, yeah. Um, Tom Cutting is in the York area, so you'll be able to meet up with him at least. And I think, um, I mean, Andy. You know, Andy has trailer, will travel. I think if he... Uh, yeah, know. we saw that this weekend. He was uh, out, <laughs> took some photos of the Welsh Highland Railway yeah. with the Garrett that we're actually going on. Very so cool. that'll be good. <laughs> Very hmm. cool. Yes, Andy's oh. layout is um, in early days progress associated with scenery and planning, but all the wood is definitely there. And I've been watching him on Facebook, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is it's actually a smaller space than I anticipated. I mean, we had Peter Stimple there providing a size comparison at one stage. But when I went into the layout, I didn't realise it's just, I guess, a regular-sized bedroom. I mean, it's only a regular-sized bedroom by US standards, so a larger bedroom by UK standards. But for folks listening in who, who may not have clued into your blog yet, can you give a rough rundown of your location? Um, well, I'm in Adelaide, South Australia. I understand uh, that. But when you take off, a, <laughs> so when you take off, you're going right. all over the US and, and the UK, right? Okay. Well, Tony Ryan just put up in the chat um, the link to my blog. You're landing in San Francisco on yes. June twentieth uh, through to June twenty third, and you're basically doing not a lot of model railroading related stuff. No, then, we're going to go and ride the Napa Valley wine train. Exactly. Oh, that's that's full size railroad. And we've got the we've got the Vista Dome package, so that should be very nice. It is beautiful. I've done that myself. Ah, excellent. And then you're heading. So, to how s- much is a bottle of red wine on that train? I don't bucks? drink, unfortunately. So oh, I've not I thought you would experience. have looked at the list, maybe. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I was there purely for the view. I think my wife only had a single glass of something, and no, we weren't there for the wine, unfortunately, just for the view. Um, uh, okay. Sacramento, are you going to the Rail Museum in Sacramento? Yeah, that's the whole idea of going there. Terrific. We're going to the museum in the wharf area, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, then we come to your abode. Yes, 24th to 27th. You're coming a little earlier, yes. so you can yes, see... Yes, I managed to change like... the train ticket. Very good. So we're corridor, what's it, the Coast Corridor or something that we're mm-hmm. on? One of the Amtrak trains coming down. Uh, and then um, we, we're uh, hoping to catch up with Malcolm and visit your club, who said they're open on that Friday night. 
Yes, um, yeah, and we're trying to get and, a few more layouts in. Um, obviously, uh, we have Jamie Fenton's layouts, and yep. um, you know, ideally, uh, we'll get to Malcolm's well, layouts, and we'll get a few more layouts in. Yeah, and uh, catching up with Vera. Ros mm-hmm. wants to catch up with Vera, Definitely. of course. Definitely. Yeah, Vera has a layout now. But, uh, even if it's just the woodworkers, she says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're heading down to LA. Yes, we're taking the coast daylight down to LA. Nice. 12 hour trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have then, a few listeners in LA. We've got some N scale folk and uh, other folks, so I might put the message yep. out. If, do you have any time there in terms of um, and listener visits? Well, or? we're a bit tight in LA. Okay. Um, what happens is, you know, the coast island doesn't get in until half past 10 at night, yeah. sort of thing. So that's so, uh, Yeah, that's totally written off. Um, and Tuesday, um, in the evening, we've managed to score a private tour of the Rail Giants Museum because it's closed. I got in contact with them a while back, and, and one of their members is uh, taking us on a tour for about two and a half hours in the evening, so, which would be very nice. But the problem that from that was that all transport back to LA stops at 8.30 at night. Yes. So we've had to relocate from um, downtown up to uh, San Dimas. Mm. And so we're staying up there, which is only a five-minute cab ride from where we've got to go. Certainly. But we will be commuting by in during the day to go and do our sightseeing, you know, go to the hop-on, hop-off, have a look around. So we're there for a couple of days, and then we go to San Diego on mm. Friday the 1st. So you, there, there, it's a mecca for model railroading. Oh, yes, yes. Who are you catching up with in San Diego? Uh, Jimmy Simmons. Jim Lincoln put me in contact with Jimmy Simmons. Very good. And Jimmy's going to try and organise a behind-the-scenes tour of uh, the La Mesa Club, yep. which would be fantastic. David so, Reese and Duncan know, McCree, have you had in, are you meeting up with either of them? Not yet, no. Okay. Um, but anyway, the dates are there, so it gives Certainly. people a bit more idea now. So, And after we spend a couple of days there, we, we go on. We want to just go up and have a look at... Um, the Grand Canyon, so we're we're flying into uh, to Phoenix and driving out to Williams. Certainly. So we'll be actually in Williams on July the fourth. Very cool. So just July the fourth is the day that we're going to go and have a look at uh, Grand Canyon. So I'm sure we'll find something to entertain us at. Oh night. yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I can remember doing a flight from um, San Francisco to LA on July the fourth at about eight thirty at night. Always and the whole nice. way, all you could see yep. was all this fireworks everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite fun when you uh, come into land, particularly. So yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So um, then, where are we going after that? We're, we're going into uh, Denver, and uh, the idea there is to um, to go to the Colorado Museum, definitely. And Roscoe wants to go to uh, Caboose Hobbies. Caboose Hobbies. Yes. Yep. So the plan is there. Um, then we go up to Indianapolis, arriving on a Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that we go and visit the train show on the Friday. Uh, and so we're hoping to catch up with anyone for dinner on the Thursday night or the Friday night um, in any other listeners. And uh, then on the Saturday, we go over to see Matt, Matt Goodwin at Columbus. And uh, then we're, we're at Matt's uh, desire, where he wants to take us, what he wants to show us until Monday morning. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> So it should be a great, great weekend and be lovely to catch up with Matt. Yes. Um, Monday morning we go back to Indianapolis and have a rest for a couple of hours before we fly out to Chicago. Uh, um, there's lots to see then, in Chicago. Yeah, we're, we're just mainly going up for the Illinois Railway Museum yes. up at Union. 
So um, that's what the plan is there. Um, I did um, put a feeler out to Jim Reed to, to say, well, you know, if, if we can meet somewhere for a meal, that'll be good because, you yeah. know. Um, but he's two and a half hours north of there, I think. So. He is, yeah. <laughs> so I have to see how that goes. I think Mike Slater's a little closer, so you might be able to get together with Mike Slater if he has if he has some time. You know, I'm always contactable one way or another, um, uh, even when we're away. So yes, uh, I'm travelling with a notebook that's got Windows 10, so I should be right. It should be. Um, yep. So after Chicago, we go to Philadelphia, mm. and uh, first we get in the afternoon of the Thursday, and we're uh, catching up with Tim Harrison and his family. We're going out to his place. Very nice. He's talking about New York uh, backstrap and some red wine and stuff. That's very different. Sounds really good. <laughs> very good, yes. On the Friday, we've got a day with Ralph de Blasi. Wonderful, wonderful. And, uh, he's talking about taking us to local hobby shops as well as having a look at his layouts. So that would be nice. Saturday morning, we're driving up um, towards Craig Grisquire's way. And I believe, uh, if all goes well, Jim Lincoln will be driving down. Very cool. Um, I've met both those gentlemen. They are both real characters. I'm not sure okay. what they're like together, but uh, both real characters. Definitely. I guess we'll find out. And they're trying to cook up something to do well with there as well. So Very that'll cool. be interesting. And then uh, hopefully we'll get to see the Housatonic on the Sunday at Craig's layout. Pity he started taking his top level down, but I could understand where he's coming from. Then we drive to Newark Airport, which is the only place we could take the freaking car back on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> um had that experience and, on the UK trip myself. Anyway. Yes, and then Penn Station in the New York. Um, or on the Amtrak into New York Penn Station. Hmm. And we've got a couple of days in Times Square. Cool. We're lashing out. Lashing out. Expensive pub. Very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, then we're flying up to uh, Toronto on the Wednesday to catch up with um, Lionel. Yes. That should be a fun day. Yeah. I know it's going to cost me a Costco hot dog for lunch and tea. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone has to buy Lionel a meal. We know this. Certainly. <laughs> um, then we're having a day going up to Niagara. Going to ride the boat down the bottom again. That was good fun last time. Got nice and wet. Um, and then we take off for uh, London. Okay. Oh, and are you getting a train up to York, or how are you getting to York? Yes, I've got a 15-day flexi pass for Very the UK. Cool. Very cool. Because the bit you don't know about is I spent another five weeks in the UK and Ireland with my wife. I think you after. mentioned that last time we spoke, but yes. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're going, we're going up to York. Um, so we won't have to do the forty minutes on the on the underground. We can do the 50, 20 minutes on the Heathrow Express. So that'll be good. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, we've got three days in York. The first day is oh god, we've got to put a feet up because mm-hmm. we've been so busy. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then a couple of days in York. Then we're going across to uh, Portsmouth in Wales. There's a train ride that goes through there that takes most of the day. Yes. Um, Couple of nights there. We're going on the Welsh Highland Railway and then the uh, Festadog uh, Railway. And so we finally get back to London on the 29th of July. <laughs> this is an amazing trip, Jim Gibson. This is an yeah. amazing trip. And, and with uh, with my wife, we're going from London to Cork to Penzance on the train. Mm. And we're doing, um, we're going the train up to, well, down to Southampton where I was born. Mm have a look around. The, the, the shop, that we used to have a post office there in Wollston, and it's, it's now a camera shop. So at least I found a Google Street Geek. Interesting. 
I'll have to go and have a look. So we have uh, we have a few listeners in Bournemouth because they wanted to meet with me. Southampton, not Bournemouth. Southampton. We have listeners yep. in Southampton as well. All right. Okay. <laughs> so uh, All right, we're, really we're, we're, we're in on the morning train. Okay. Very good. And we're out on the evening train. Very good. Uh, look, these people will track you down. They were very, very annoyed with me. And in fact, I have to apologise basically to all our UK listeners, uh, you, all of them, not just the ones that met me and the ones that didn't. But yeah, people were really annoyed that I came to the UK with such short notice because a majority of our listeners and former participants and future participants um, weren't able to catch up with me. So yeah, we've got a lot of UK listeners that are uh, hoping for more notice next time. So, But it sounds like you have a lot of stuff going on. Oh yeah, we got a lot. Then we're going to we're going up to Edinburgh on the train. Mm. That's and a nice train gonna, ride. Yeah, yeah, we're going out to Dundee and Aberdeen on the train. Mm. Then we're going to Inverness on the train, and we're going to the Kyle Lacouche on on the western side. And then a couple of days later, we're going to Wick and Thurso on the other side. Yes, and it just so happens the tattoos on while we're there, so we're going to that too, which Wonderful. is nice. Wonderful. That was a fluke. <laughs> and then also we're um, we're going to do the Jacobite train mm. Fort William Millag. Uh, and back. Yeah, having, having then, then we in, go across the island. Wonderful. Having been in Coming the UK, home following Hong Kong, sorry. Yeah, having been in the UK recently, I've got to say that train travel in the UK, first class train travel, is unbelievable. Regular train travel is still pretty nice. We caught a wide... In fact, train was our primary means of, of travel. Uh, we rented a car for a short period of time in Manchester and returned it, funnily enough, in, in Wrexham. Uh, because it was the only place that was open. And uh, it was just really wonderful. I mean, it, our first experience, really, after we landed was getting on the train to Leeds. And my wife and I looked at each other and just like, we hadn't seen this level of civilization in 11 and a half years. I mean, it was just a very, very impressive trip, basically. So I'm really looking forward to getting your accounts associated with this as well. And, of course, having you staying here, which is the uh, uh, up-and-coming part. Yeah, it's going to be terrific. So... In terms of red wine purchases, California Reds, I'm assuming. I think we have a couple of corkscrews. We might be able to accommodate. We don't have any wine glasses, unfortunately. We've really... oh, have to, we'll have to go to the local shop and bring back a couple. Yes, I think so. I think so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to having you on location and uh, introducing you to all the uh, eccentric folk that make up uh, the Bay Area Model Rail Radio family. And yes, I see that. I see your political opponents in your town weren't too good this week. <laughs> it's all very curious. It's actually due to a lack of policing, which I think is quite a curious thing in and of itself. I mean, it's just a microcosm of what we experience here on a daily basis, but enough of that. Okay. So, in terms of your trip, you're meeting a lot of people, you're getting a lot of stuff done, it looks absolutely exhausting, just reading it out on the show is exhausting. What? What? Are you look, what are you looking to take away from this trip? I mean, obviously, you're going to meet a lot of people. Are there any items that you're interested in purchasing? Any folks' brains you're mm-hmm. interested in picking in particular? No, it's just going to be nice to, to see different stuff, meet people that we talk to, see some layouts that we see pictures of it every now and again. I guess the takeaways are hundreds of photos. Um, I think... Um, I think I've got something like a terabyte of space in the cloud. We're mm. wait, ready waiting. <laughs> very good, very good. And, um, you know, just, just that's really it. It's meeting and catching up, seeing all the railway stuff. Definitely, so. definitely. Well, Tim Harrison mm. and Lionel Strang, two gentlemen yep. who I've been wanting to meet for a number of years now, and both of whom that I've communicated with extensively. 
So, yeah, that's the part of the trip that I'm particularly interested in. Craig Biscaya, Jim Lincoln, these are just regular folk that I bump into on a periodic basis. But, uh, no, certainly Tim Harrison's place on location. I've seen a lot of photos myself, but would would love to have the opportunity to meet the gentleman on location. And similarly, Lionel Strang, an enigma within the hobby, and someone who I think uh, no doubt will show you a particular side of Toronto. Well, perhaps just Costco. But anyway... I'm sure you're going to have fun with Lionel as well, Jim. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Hmm. Pleasure catching so, up. We will catch up on location. I've got a number of folk on the call that seem very eager to talk. And um, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's fine. Um, thanks, everybody, for uh, for just being patient and listening to this. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we've actually got visitors this weekend, so I won't be able to hang alone too much longer. So uh, thanks, Tom. I look forward to seeing you I'll and see everybody you at the train else station. over there. Too. And it looks like I'm going to courier you exactly straight to Seth Newman's place from there. So I'm not sure how Excellent. much luggage you're planning on on bringing, but we'll move the luggage. It'll all work out. Yeah, it's not not that much. I'm only one big bag. It's just the uh, medications bags and the breathing machine bag. So I've got uh-huh. uh, four yes. four carry-ons. Very good. And and one case. So there you go. <laughs> yes. The US will provide you with a number of pleasant airport experiences, no doubt. I'm really looking forward uh, to catching I've up. I've been there before. Yes, open your bag. <laughs> take everything out. Because yes. when you're traveling with, with pharmaceuticals, they just lo- especially needles, they just love to go through everything. Very good. All the best <laughs> with that. We'll see Thank you in San Jose. Talk okay. to you soon. Ciao. Take care. gentleman who is coming out especially coming out be careful how you say that okay a gentleman who is <laughs> traveling down especially for jim gifford's visit are you, are you, are you serious joe tomato associated with this are you serious associated with coming down is yeah that an actual thing right that wasn't just yeah. a facebook joke okay very good. no 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 i i uh I, you're coming down for the friday through to the sunday is that the plan or saturday sunday uh saturday sunday probably yeah okay yeah, so, it's uh, be fun. I was going to go to the prototype modelers meet, but that weekend it's not going to work out. And and then you posted, uh, you know, the, the the tours and just a good opportunity to come down and hang out with you and mm. and uh, meet some new people from overseas and see some new layouts. So there's going to be copious quantities of red wine as well. So oh, good. It's definitely a designated <laughs> driver trip. And uh, <laughs> so yeah. in terms of your model rail writing. We heard yep. last show, which hasn't yet been released, but will be released very sh- shortly from Bruce Kelly. So we got some of an update of your part of the world. But what's been going on with your model railroading hobby specifically? Um, well, the ongoing uh, construction and destruction seems to be the theme the last uh, about the last year or so. I've, I've got a, a spare bedroom I've turned into my layout room, mm. but my, my youngest daughter was going to go to school here. So I tore everything down so she'd have a room, and then she changed her mind and is uh, staying up north going to school. So uh, I got to pull everything back in and took the opportunity to pull up all my track and rethink what I've, you know, what I'm going to uh, to actually model and how I want to model it. And uh, so that's every weekend I'm cutting wood and prying up track. Seems like (laughs) less time actually running something, more time just building stuff. And, but talking uh, about building stuff, I mean, what I've seen on the Facebook group seems to indicate that when you build something, you take it pretty serious, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been a model maker most of my professional life, other than when I was in, in the Navy and in college. But uh, 
Um, I, I kind of approach everything as uh, as trying to push the the boundary. Um, I love, uh, like we've we've talked about this before. I like technology. Uh, I'm not so much a a computer nerd uh, or into the Adrenos or the Raspberry Pis like uh, Dave Falkenberg and other people are uh, who have more exposure to that kind of stuff. But I'm more into you know actually fabricating things, physical things with the equipment. So um, having a laser at home and a couple at work and then and some 3D printing access. I, I'm trying to, you know, I, I'm a lazy modeler, you know. Uh, I don't like to spend a whole lot of time on something, so whenever I can figure out a way to get a machine to do it, I do. And so, yeah, I, I focus a lot on detail, and, and I'm trying to, you know, trying to get everything right. And that, that's, that's a struggle. It's an ongoing struggle with everybody, I would assume. Yes, yeah. Um, so, I, um, like I said, I've got a laser and uh, do a lot of experimenting with that. And, and as I build things, you know, I need a fence. So let's spend some time researching fences and mm-hmm. how it can look and that kind of stuff. I've, uh, I posted some stuff uh, yesterday and today on some wood decks I've been working with. And um, you know, I want to make my flat cars look more realistic. And mm-hmm. so I, I did some work with some uh, photo vectoring and, and uh, rastering and came up with some really nice uh, finishes, took them to the club and Showed them uh, today, and people were pretty impressed. So it's, I'm on to something there. So if I can, you know, I, I want to. I, I like the model building aspect of it. I'm not so, you know, I'm not driven to really finish the layout because mm-hmm. I live in an apartment right now, and and what I want to do, I can't do here without taking over the whole apartment. Maybe renting <laughs> another place. Yeah. And and so I understand that. So I, you know, I've I've kind of taken on the Lance Meinheim kind of concept of of less is less. Mm. And uh, you know I've got a simple angle nook now that goes around two three walls in the in the room. It gives me the opportunity just to run my trains back and forth, do a little switching. I'm learning uh, more and more about operations and 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 that kind of stuff. How I want to do it, you know, I've spent time on John Signer's layout down in Dunsmere where he's got a CTC board and he has a whole different way of uh, of, uh, of operations than uh, than the club does up here. Simple. So I'm trying to blend the two together and and. And so it's it's bare bones. There's no nothing on it but track at the, at the moment. But I'm working on all these components, you know, structures, and you know, it's 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 evolving like everybody else's stuff. I I look at what other people are doing online and in magazines, and and I envy their focus. Yes. So speaking of focus, for folks listening in that may be new to Model Raw Radio, what are you actually <laughs> modeling specifically in your lab? Uh, I do Pacific Electric uh, down in L.A. Mm. Uh, about 19, between 1955 and 1960, um, I like the color. Um, I'm I, I'm actually modeling a, a a small branch or a spur. It was the called the Orphan Spur, which ran down Brand Avenue in Chatsworth, uh, out in the San Fernando Valley, and it was about eight miles of track. It 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 was cut off on on one end from uh, joining the rest of PE by Santa Fe, who just dug up the the rails and and put a crossing there. And there was an SP yard on the other side. So what operated on, you know, basically through city streets and a small area that was orchards and packing houses uh, was that was considered the orphans for an interchange with SP. So you saw a lot of SP uh, freight back and forth, PFE uh, reefers, uh, a lot of flat cars. Um, the nice thing about modeling, what I'm doing, is that they only had two locomotives there ever. And I have them both now. So I don't have to buy any more locomotives. Um, the freight cars I need are very limited, and um, I, I did that on purpose. I mean, I could have done a bigger part of PE, but um, I, I chose this one area because it would limit what I had to acquire to operate 
you know, functionally when I get to the point where I can have an actual layout. And so I'm trying for prototypicality there when it comes to, you know, what I've got, what I'm using. You know, uh, was it Broadway Limited just came out with their their little um, porter, and I picked that up at the show in uh, Portland, and it's almost a dead ringer for the one they used there, um, and they had a 44 tonner as well. So with those two locomotives, I've got everything I need to for motor power. You know, I've got other stuff too, but for the club, but for my own layout, that's all I really need. And some mm. some reefer, some reefers. I got uh, packing houses, boxing box plants. Then I've got a lot of uh, industrial retail in a downtown area mm. where I would be. You know, dropping things off the 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 uh, diesel yard for the PE there was in a parking lot of the supermarket. <laughs> and seriously, it, it yes. was a there was a telephone pole and a and a and a and a small box and. Mm. That's it. So it's kind of a, a nice mix between urban modeling and, and suburban uh, agricultural mm-hmm. type, all kind of in a small space. So, mm. so and it's fun. It's there's not a lot written on it, and and so I like the research. I'm 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 all about the hunt. So uh, you know, when I'm online, I, I dig deeper and deeper, and I find these little nuggets, little treasures, photographs of Brand Avenue throughout the time, mm. uh, a side shot. You know, some place obliquely. You know. A research on something else and all of a sudden well there's the corner of the arrowhead <laughs> bottling plant that's yes. was you know with you know just random chances that i find stuff and i, I keep all that together and and uh so I'm, i gotta focus i you know that's it that's the only way i can do it you're leading perfectly into what my next question was going to be you're famous professionally for doing <laughs> research associated uh-huh. with you know minute detail right. but obviously you take this on in your hobby as well particularly associated with your own layout what advice can you give to people that are similarly detail-oriented but are overwhelmed by things like, you know, internet and, you know, the, the general yeah. searches that you have to do? Can you describe – I mean, the stuff that you've been posting on the Facebook group recently is a beautiful example of this. Can you describe some of the processes used to actually find this information? Well, um, Facebook groups, uh, even if they don't uh, uh, really – match what you're doing you'd be surprised what you can find and people you connect with it's all about the community uh, i belong to the obvious you know like the southern pacific groups and some of the pacific modeling groups but also a lot of the mexican groups and a lot of the uh, up groups and santa fe groups and and you'll always you, know, you show stuff and i say well here's what i'm doing on my pe and It'll spark an issue. Oh, yeah, by the way, I just, you know, I, I had this photograph I found. And so you build a community up where people share back and forth. I've got a blog spot uh, where I show the modeling that I do, and I, I, I make sure everybody that I know gets a, a link to that. And and uh, so I got a lot of people coming on board that are dropping information off to me as well. But, um, you know, my, my biggest advice is, you know, and, and what I do at work is I really I burrow down and focus on on one specific thing and try not to get too broad with it. And that's where the frustration happens because, you know, these days with the internet, you can be, you can drown in information and you can, you can be overwhelmed by, um, you know, just the sheer volume of things that are, that you've got access to. And if you don't stay focused and you don't, you know, you don't have purpose in, in what you're doing and what you're researching and stuff, you get off the track. You know, it's like, you know, squirrel. Um, and I, I find that happens quite a bit with me at work. I'll be researching a, a new car body style. And I'll see a picture of something. Go, oh, that's cool. And just, <laughs> I'm just going to look at that. And then 20, 30 minutes later, 
you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in Costa Rica looking at sugarcane cars, <laughs> you know, and when I was actually looking for, uh, uh, you know, uh, a hopper that ran up in Manitoba. Hmm. So, um, for me with Pacific electric, you know, I, I, I initially was interested in it. I went online and bought whatever books I could find. You'd, yep. you'd be surprised. Certainly. Uh, I didn't realize there was so much published on Pacific electric. And oh yeah. Still, I started looking, and I'd go on eBay and Amazon, and I was I'm picking up stuff, you know, thirty, forty, fifty dollar books for ten, twenty dollars used, mm. and they're perfectly fine, and that gives you some clues as well. Um, so, you know, books, uh, magazines. There's now with the internet searches for model railroader, and we've oh, got yeah. pro, we've got prototype modeler you can get to, and and mainline modeler now. Uh, pretty soon, uh, model railroad craftsman. Uh, we'll have uh, searchable databases. Uh, that that makes it a whole lot easier to find out what you want. But you know, like I said, initially you kind of go out there and kind of put out your feelers. But at some point, you know, you've got to really you got to narrow down what you're modeling. I mean, some people can pull off the transcontinental railroad. Some people can do Milwaukee from Milwaukee to Seattle. Mm. You know, they have that kind of ability to. To, to to focus out like that and that's that's rare that you can pull it off more often than not that you see a lot of compromises and so what i kind of did with this thing by going with the orphans fur um i i can you know literally if i wanted to i could go out and rent um uh you know in, in medford here rental isn't that expensive i could rent a space i could rent rent ten thousand square feet for maybe 400 bucks a month or something mm. and i could build it to scale Yes. You know, I could put eight miles of track in, in a building that size and do from the SP to, to Santa Fe and build everything in between. And I've got the information after four or five years of just doing research after research after research. Uh, I could probably do a fairly good representation of, of, of downtown San Fernando and, then you know, that, that part of downtown and then out to the, the packing sheds and stuff. Um, but I, I spent more time and what I advise a lot of people is if you, if you, if you, if you know what you want to do, spend more time researching than building because it's, it's cheaper. You know, I, you know, uh, like every other modeler, I've got so much stuff started that it, you know, I look at the time wasted building things that were not going to work. Not that they met my level of expectation for detail or accuracy. They just, mm. Oh, that's not going to work. Yeah, that yeah. you know, I made that curve too sharp. Yeah. So, well, there's a whole Saturday, you know, building <laughs> that module, and I'm like, and so Saturday night, I'm you know, I'm in a pile of sweat here and 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 sawdust, and and I've got something I can't use. I've wasted track, I've wasted wood, I've wasted time. I've it's like I've learned something by doing it. But if I just researched that a little bit more and thought more thoroughly about what that radius, what that curve was going to need to do in relationship to my overall plan. I could have saved stuff. So I, I always tell people, you know, just keep researching, just keep digging, mm-hmm. keep looking. Cause you'll find stuff. You'd be, you can find anything you, you, you can, it's somebody's got a picture of whatever it is you want to yeah, do. Exactly. So, and I, I do that at work. You know, I, I do that all the time. I, that's my, my job is you know, part of my job is, mm. is research and development. And, and so I've got to kind of, after a while, you know, where the go-to places are to, to get input or to find things. And, and you'll find that with what you're doing. You know, if you're, if you're doing something like you know, the great Western railway or, or whatever, I was had an interest in British railways for a while. We were just over Joe, on, in the islands. You've got to go, you've got to go and spend some quality time over there. Oh yeah. 
I, I'm planning. <laughs> I was I was in I went to France and worked for Disney for a while and and mm. got to the islands for a little bit, but didn't spend much time there. But I plan on it because I want to get on you know on one little outline railways somewhere going to great where the Great Western was and Certainly. just ride it through the countryside. And, oh yeah, and uh, and 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 just enjoy what that what that real railroading is. It's different from what we have here. I mean, it's a different mindset and it's a community and we don't have that here and it's a shame. Mm. You know, when you think about it, like where I live here in, in, in Medford, in the valley, you know, we're in a pocket canyon basically and you've got to climb a mountain to go anywhere out of here. And it's so beautiful and it's like the perfect place to have rail travel, right? Because, you know, there's so many places to go here, but you got to drive on roads or really, you know, scary places to drive. And And I think about England and if we had that kind of rail network here, how much more civilized we'd be. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that's part of it. You know, you've got that connection. But, you know, I was interested in, in that for a while and, and, and started digging around. I found some books on a Great Western Railway. I found oh, yes. the books on, 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 uh, on, on the halts and stations. They had stations a couple of and- magazines in the UK devoted to the Great, the Great Western Railway. And yeah. it's actually astonishing. And, like, relative mainstream news agents, you can pick up their uh, – they're monthly, and you know yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So that's the that's the thing with any any subject you got. You know, I think uh, uh, if you spend more time looking researching it, I think you'll you'll have a better product at the end of it. And then the product being your layout. I mean, it could be something that you're going to fill half a house with, or or you can do what Lance does and and have uh, you know a, a two uh, bifold doors and and one switch. You know, but if you research it right and you, and you spend the time getting it to look right and finding what you need to to build it right, you can enjoy it. You know, it's it gives you a lot of satisfaction building something you can actually use and you like working with. Certainly, you mentioned so. people in the research component, which I think is fascinating, mm-hmm. and the fact that you'll join Facebook groups and you'll cultivate a group of people that are genuinely knowledgeable in your particular area of interest. Sure. Professionally, when you're at work. How frequently do you have contact people associated with the various things that you're investigating? All day long. Right. All day long. Um, from 7 in the morning till <laughs> four thirty, five o'clock at night. I mean, it could be something as simple as, okay, well, Creative Service walks in and, and we've got this uh, Pennsylvania tank car or something. And it's a, it's a different color than we have color chips for. You can tell, you know, they had some gray tank cars. They had gray box cars. Well, what is that gray? I don't know. You know, uh, nothing in my magazine's database talks about it. I don't have every single Keystone magazine ever built, made. I don't have every every single Pennsylvania book made. So I don't have those references. And I can go online and look. And, well, I can look for days and days and days. But I know that if I go online to the Facebook PR page, there's there are three or four guys on there that I've I've made acquaintance with that you know we're, we're friends and and I can pose the question to them or I can go to a, I can go to forums and do that but you know unfortunately with those I mean their attention span is as long as my finger and you know uh, railwire train board places like that I, I can post things there I might get one or two posts that are that talk about what my request was for. And then it's, then then it starts out and a street fight starts out after that, you know somebody says something or they, they they go off on some bunny trail and and so they're they have limited use but you do contact people on there mm. I did uh, Mike McGratton just passed away he was um, he worked with the Rapido 
nice, nice guy. Um, his Puddington was his handle, and he did a, a layout called Puddington Valley and N Scale. But this guy knew everything there was to know about CP Rail. And you know, when I said, I said, okay, hey Mike, we're going to be doing all of our heavyweights in CP, but I, I, I have no idea what our prototypes match that. Well, he's an expert. Well, two days later, I get nine pages from him typed out. <laughs> That every single prototype that we made, all of our cars that we made, all 10 of them now, he gave me the names, the paint schemes, and, and photographs of every of the cars appropriate for all of our prototypes. Yeah. So we were able to do those correct. Same things happened with New Haven. Okay, Brian Bousset, New Haven. I contact him, anything New Haven. There are people <laughs> that are just, you know, they're dogs for that stuff. and. Certainly. And so, and it could be just a color, you know, let's say, oh, post, I need a gray. Can you give me a reference for it? So I'm not sure if I've asked you this before, but it always fascinates me, particularly with historical photos that are in black and white from the 1920s, 1930s, this kind of stuff, color matching, those kind of things. Yeah. How do you You, do that? Well, you can't color match color pictures. Fair enough. Um, You know, in black and white, you, back in the day, you had Pan X and Plus X, and Tri-X later on, well, they all they all dealt with uh, uh, blues and reds differently. You know, uh, you did Plus X, your skies would be, your blues would be super dark. Pan X, your blues would be light, and your reds would be dark. Tri-X was who knows what, you know, it was a medium tone black and white film. Then when color came on, you had Kodachrome, you had Kodachrome, and Ektacolor. And uh, Kodachrome and Ektacolor were slide films, and Kodachrome was just regular uh, color film and ectochrome was was blue heavy and uh, kodachrome was uh, was warm um, so you, that's why you look into a, in one of these uh, morning sun books you'll see and we run into this every day you know um, looking at, at a color and 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 it's it's a different shade of that color there may be seven photographs there and they're all different shades and so what I do a lot of times is I start looking at the outliers I look at the sky I try to find a white that I know is white or a black that I know is black. And then I can kind of judge how close that is. Um, with black and white, you know, I can get I can get tonal differences. And I can say, oh, yeah, well, this is darker over here than that. Uh, a lot of times it's a crapshoot. Uh, sometimes, especially when we do like the old reefers, um, there's no historical documentation on that. So I'll go online. I'll look for people who've done models of it. I'll look for companies who've done decals. There's a lot of old-timey decal company out there that do the most obscure stuff you've ever seen. Uh, Champ decals has been around since, what, early 60s? Well, they had access. I mean, those some of those cars were still around, or there were people that, that had that documentation. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they, they produced their decals based on that. So that's as good a hunch as you can get. Um, sometimes I use other manufacturers to confirm things. Uh, we're doing a reefer right now, and... I wasn't sure whether the whether the car was gray or, or yellow because all I had was a black and white. Well, I found out that that Atlas and Athern had done the exact same car years ago, and guess what? They used the same gray. So I go, oh, okay. Well, I've got some. I got a place to start with there. It's obviously a light color. Uh, not all reefers were painted red or yellow. Uh, a lot of them were painted gray or, or or blue or some other colors like that. But at, at the absence of a document in front of me. Sometimes it's as good as it's going to get. So, mm. so it, yeah, it's it's always a, a, a crapshoot with some of the stuff. Other things you can find. I was we're doing some per diem cars and some cars that were around in the in the eighties and are very very colorful. And I'm looking at uh, one that uh, was down in Alabama doing a research on it. 
and it was a it's an orange. And I'm digging around. I can't find anything. And then I just I did another Google search for this railroad color scheme, and I found a uh, 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 a train board uh, thread. Mm where somebody <laughs> was modeling that railroad and had gone through all the effort of finding a chip. And, and there right now I've got local matches. I've got Pactra matches. I've got testers matches. I've got house paint matches. Oh yes. You know, I can go down to home Depot and give them this number and I can get a <laughs> quart of latex paint to match the color of the car. Very cool. That doesn't always happen, but yeah. it, it, like I said, like with this research thing, the more digging you do, eventually you'll find what you need. Mm. And, it's always, you know, it's it's always better to have too much information than not enough, especially in our modeling, because, you know, we all strive for for a, a prototypical feel, and and there's plenty of examples on Facebook of people that just do, I mean, amazing work. Mm. It's mm. just I, I found a Spanish modeler who did a small little city diorama that I I posted on my site, uh, a Spanish diesel, uh, it was a resin kit, but he the buildings were spectacular. The the attention he had weeds in, in between the track and he had the this crossing gate was weathered. The the cars were all individually detailed and weathered and like they were kits of their own. And and this guy if I if I decided one day I'm gonna do Spanish modeling, <laughs> you know, this guy is my go to guy, you know, and I'm gonna pick his brain I'm gonna pick his brain and I'm gonna use his pictures to aid in my modeling. Certainly. A quick question for you, Chuck. Sure. Whenever I do research to a certain level on any t- topic, I find contradictory information quite frequently. In oh, fact, yeah. it's actually quite interesting because there's a kind of probable world thing where, particularly when I'm you know, talking to people associated with various historical events or family history or anything I've done any research into to any degree of depth, there's always yeah. contradictions. There's always stuff that goes you know, in all different directions. What do you do when you get those contradictions? Um... Well, I've got three. I got four daughters, actually. So I'm I'm really good at dealing with contradictions and and sorting out the truth. Mm. <laughs> Lots of practice with that. So you still believe there is a definitive truth? Uh, with daughters, no. No, um, with anything. I mean, do you, do, you, do you still have this notion of definitive truth as you look into no, all this stuff? I, I don't know. You know, you have to take your best shot at it. Very good. You you do. I mean. Um, uh, so you, sometimes you got to trust people you don't even know. Sometimes, I mean, if it it sounds convincing, it's you know it's it's different than politics. You know, that, that's a whole other ball of wax. In modeling, you know, the community is 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 fact based. They, you know, the vast majority of model railroaders or, or armor modelers or anybody are they're all about trying to get it right. They're they're trying to create something, a little piece of perfection, you know, that they can control. Um, and and I think there comes a point where you just have to start assuming things, especially in the in the obscure. I wouldn't have to. Uh, I, you know, when it comes to SP or Santa Fe, or I don't have to guess. Hmm. You know, I mean, you you, you will drown on uh, in reference material when you get <laughs> when you get off on the short lines, and you know, which is what I've always been interested in. Is these? You know, I you know, there's a, a small railroad down in Arkansas that. Um, we did a car for in our per diem series. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's basically, it's got two miles of track. It's in an industrial park out in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, mm. that the, the train comes out of the gate and there's a small two spur yard right there where, where UP goes by. And But it's fascinating to research it and what it used to be back in the 1800s, what it's become. 
and and but there were a lot of suppositions there. You know, I had to I had to I got to a point where I, I just wasn't going to find anything else for it. And some of it's predicated by time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I uh, are we we pump out a lot of stuff. Certainly. So, I mean, I come home and do research, and I'm I'm fine with it because I enjoy it. But um, you know, I've sometimes I've got 20 minutes to get a lot of information to people to that need to finish the artwork, to make the plates, mm. to make the, the pads in the back, to to print on the cars so that the production assembly doesn't have to wait for that car to get to them. <laughs> so there's this domino effect yes. that you've got to think about too. I mean, I'd like to say, oh, yeah, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll, I'll have that answer for you. But more <laughs> often than not, that, that, that person will be standing there with me. Yes. You know, wanting to find out what that information is now, and so by knowing all of these people, some of them I've got their phone numbers, I can call them. Mm-hmm. And 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 the nice thing about this community, unlike some other communities I've been in, and maybe it's changed now, but people will fall all over themselves to help you. Mm-hmm. And 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 the worst the worst uh, critic I've ever had for the for my company uh, became a kitten. When I asked for help. Yes. Now, this is the interesting thing. And I think you've talked about this previously. The yeah. turnaround of critics when you yeah. actually have the ability to produce something to their specification and ultimately, yeah. you know, create but a, it, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it's not even, I mean, I can do that, but sometimes it's just a matter of helping them with what they're doing. Yeah, certainly. You know, you'd be surprised. I, I'll send out a, 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 a set of stirrups for an 89-foot flat car that the guy's working on. Well, you know, it's pennies. Certainly. And um, uh, but he can't get to it. There's no hobby shop that carries it, and so we'd have to go through this expensive process to order it and to his hobby shop and wait. And and I send him. Okay, no, I throw him in a bag and a, and a, and a blister box, and mm-hmm. boom, two days later, three days mm-hmm. later, he's got that part. Well, he's become my best friend. Yeah, certainly. And I'm, it's not that I'm trying to buy anybody. I just want to. I want them to know that I'm here for them too. I mean. You know, when I started at Microtrains, we were fairly cloistered. We didn't let out information. <laughs> and I, I wanted to let people have a sense of ownership. I wanted them to be, even the people that really hated us for really st- st- dumb reasons, mm. you know, uh, mainly out of envy. Mm. But I, I wanted them to feel like what they had to say mattered. And whenever I can, I try to make it happen for them. You know, there's, I mean, there's some unrealistic expectations with level of detail or with a, a particular road or, or a car or something, you know, that's where I talked about before by posting something on railway or train board. <laughs> uh, we're, I'm looking for new car ideas, you know, and next thing you know, I'm, I've got guys telling me, well, this railroad only made four of them, but I'll buy all four from you, mm. you know, and that, okay. You know, well, you, did you read the first part of the, the thread? <laughs> I, I, you know, I need something that had hundreds mm. and, and, um, but, I'm a modeler, and I've I I I came up through uh, aircraft modeling and armor Certainly. modeling, yep. j- just like you did. Mm-hmm. And and uh, when Osprey was our favorite, was the only thing you had that was reasonable mm. and accurate and reliable. But when it came to getting parts to fix your stuff, good luck. It was hard to get repair parts. It was hard to get replacement parts. It was hard to get extra parts just to do a kit bash or something. You, you know, it's like the answer is always, we'll buy another model. Well, I just need this one part of a tree, <laughs> and, you know, and you know that they've got them, you know, yes. I mean, I work in a factory where I could disappear into a bin and nobody would ever see me again yes. of spare parts. So I, I want to make, I, I know how important that is 
because you get on this thing where you want to make this thing right. And I, I, you know, freedom train stuff. There's got a couple of guys that are trying to build a freedom oh, train, yeah. and they need they need bits and pieces. Yes, and I know Lowell Smith is producing his freedom train stuff, but there's cars that he may or may not get to, and yes. people don't want to wait for whatever his schedule is yeah. and our schedule. Yeah. So hell, yeah, I can I can give you. Yeah, I've got a uh, an 89 foot flat car here. I'll find out what it is and and uh, and 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 get it to you for cost or whatever. Or, or you just need parts of it. I'll just send you the parts and and uh, and it helps them get their thing. And then they start looking at us as as being human, certainly, and not just some you know corporation out there that's wants their money and could care less what they want. Joe, I, I, I can I can talk to you for hours, yeah. and I will have the opportunity to talk to you for hours when you're yes. on location. Yes. We still have a few people that would like to talk today. I hate to cut I you know. off. I will give you one anecdote. Sure. I was in the uh, – they have the Churchill Bunker now, or what is it called? The Churchill War Rooms in London. I would – I don't know. I had mixed feelings about it, but I realized at the end that there was a certain amount of gravitas associated with it, irrespective of how they touristized it. We got out into the gift shop. My wife looked immediately at the standard rotating carousel of Osprey books, and she said, that's your thing. And I thought to myself, I've trained my wife somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she knows and understands that that will be my first point of call to flip through and find some Osprey books. Unfortunately, if you visit Shea Barbelay currently, in large part to get this room ready for, uh, for, for Jim or Roz, whoever picks the, their particular room, I've actually removed a lot of my Osprey books into the attic, so I can't show you my full collection, unless you request especially, in which case yeah. I will bring the boxes down. But well, um, You'll be happy to know I've pulled mine out. I've got a, a, a group back east that is interested in a museum piece that they'd uh, like me to build. Very good. And it's a, it's a fire base from Vietnam, 101st Airborne. Oh, wow. In 72nd scale yep. and uh, you know, on a mountaintop, that whole thing. And, and, Osprey uh, has a book on that. Huh? Osprey has a book on that. Right? I yes, I just happen to have that one, yeah. <laughs> and with that's online, I'm all set. Now I just got to order stuff and get a contract. But I love those books, and I wish they did trains. Yes, they seem to be moving into a variety of areas, but unfortunately, trains isn't one of. Yeah, yeah, no. They know their market very well, and they don't stray from their market. So yep, that's you can't right. Doubt them. A pleasure yeah. chatting, Joe. Really looking forward to having you on location and uh, yeah, showing you some too. layouts in the area and having a good chat, as always. All right. I hope so, too. Talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye, bye Tom. Speaking of military modelling, I'd like to welcome back a gentleman who, since he last spoke with me, won a particular award. In fact, lost out on winning by a coin toss, but still got a medal. Ralph Renzetti, what's been your model railroading and general modeling update? I, I uh, took that Volkswagen to an IPMS meet and basically was blown away when I was told by one of the, one of the lead judges. He came to me just before the prizes were handed out and he said, unfortunately, we couldn't give you uh, best in show, he says, but we had a very hard time deciding who was going to get it, so we flipped a coin, and it just blew me away. I mean, my my chest went out another six inches, right? And then I ended up getting uh, first place for that Volkswagen in the category, so I, I was quite happy. Well deserved, well deserved. And I'm I'm a little having a physics background. I'm a little annoyed that that coin didn't. Like right itself in your direction. Yeah, well, there's there's other times that it might, you know, 
it's it's not a it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Next time. And if Next if time you then. if you really uh, uh, start banging yourself against a wall and say, "Well, what did I do wrong? What's wrong with this?" or, or uh, "Why didn't I get it?" Then it's not worth doing because uh, the way I look at it, I'm I'm in it for the fun. If I get a prize along the way, bonus. If I get the recognition that uh, uh, people like my work and so on, and, and it has been happening lately, um, I, I think it's absolutely great because now I'm making new friends over it. And, and that's what this hobby is all about. You also had the opportunity to meet with the AK Interactive fellow as well, didn't you? Is yep. it called AK Interactive? Look in the name right? Mig, Mig Jimenez. Yes. Uh, from MIG Ammo. And it's it's interesting because AK Interactive used to be his company mm. until he was divorced and his wife ended up with that company. Wow. Yeah. So uh, he couldn't keep his fingers out, so he started a new one. Mm. And it's uh, MIG Ammo. And basically the colors are the same. They may have a slightly different name, but the colors are the same. They're made by the same company. <laughs> They use uh, Vallejo uh, Company in Spain. Certainly. And he spent an hour with me in the store mm. discussing that Volkswagen. And I, I found out in our discussion that he is a closet train guy. Mm. I think you had that sense because historically when his magazine first came out, there was like a train article at least in every issue, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's – and I, I really couldn't figure that one out other than the fact that the military guys were doing a lot of uh, old steam engines that mm. have been blown up during World oh, War yeah. II and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I find out that he grew up about – about, well, he said he looked over his back fence to a train station in Spain mm. when he was a kid. Mm. And that's where he developed the love for trains. Mm. So, he gave me a, a, an hour of coaching on on how to proceed and um, how how to make presentations so that he can add them to his magazine. Wonderful. So the next project I do, I will be taking his advice and and see how far that goes. Mm. And I'm going to be doing train stuff. And and when I said that to him, he says that's fine. He said I I don't expect you to do military stuff unless you really want to. Um, but he said, you're trained stuff. And he, I had some of it at the store when he was there and he just fell in love with it. Mm. So here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm planning my next, uh, model, another Volkswagen, mm-hmm. <laughs> a Volkswagen bus. Uh, but, and I saw something the other day, and I'm still not sure how to go about it. And if anybody's got any ideas, please help me. Um, I saw a model. Actually, it wasn't a model. It was a, a bonsai tree mm. sitting on a little disc that was levitating over a base. Ah, yes, the magnets. Yes. So I want to be able to do this with a model. So, like, it's futuristic. It's a hovering. Certainly. Volkswagen van, yeah, uh, post-apocalyptic sort of thing, Very you know. Cool. Plenty um, of options there. Pardon? Plenty of options there, particularly the military modeling side of things. With that, yeah, lots. Well, of yeah, I was discussing that with the with the store owner the other day. Uh, I, I forget the name of the vehicle. It had it eight wheels, four on either side. It's I think it's a troop carrier, but it had mm-hmm. guns on it as well. I said 
these wheels can be covered over and this would make a beautiful hover craft mm. done in military style. Mm. And he agreed with me. But so now I have to figure out how to do it with magnets. <laughs> and it's, it's driving me crazy because all these ideas are taking away from my layout. Ah, you know? yes. The, the, the problems of uh, Ralph Renzetti as discussed last recording. Yep. I wouldn't necessarily call them problems the way you seem to be phrasing it, but I do understand the need to spend some quality time on the land. Well, like Joe said, you've got all these projects that you've started and you, you get distracted and you go to do something else. Like I was, I was given permission to take out the sauna that we have in the basement, <laughs> which part of my, one of the walls of my layout is the wall of the sauna. Mm. And that'll give me a seven, seven, not seven square feet, but seven by seven yeah. area that I can add to my layout. Yeah. And that'll take me into the laundry room. So I got all these plans for the future and, and all this, the modeling and the weathering and all this other stuff is getting in the way. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm still going at it. Um, some guy gave me a, a, an SD40 that he wants a, a decoder put into. And it, he told me that it was Bachman already had a decoder in it. Well, it's not a Bachman. It's a, I'm looking at it. It's an Atherin Blue Box. So I now have to make it work. So that's another project I'm working on. I have a whole bunch of things to do. I have, a, I have another um, couple of engines to do for clients. So when I start those, I will start, as Mig said, you do step-by-step, step, and when you take oh, photographs, yeah. yep. you do it on uh, a white background, yep. and he's, you want to throw my product in the picture, that's fine, but <laughs> you don't have to. Yes. Uh, and then once you've got the collection of photographs, just send it in, and he gave me his personal email address Very to send cool. it. Very cool. It's interesting, this VW bus thing. We were driving today. We went mm -hmm. out to uh, Stephen Arnold's part of the world, Livermore. Unfortunately, Stephen and his wife were in Portland, so we couldn't meet up. We did a bunch of stuff that we liked doing in Livermore. On the way back, we saw an immaculate conversion 1960s VW bus, just immaculately converted. The paint was perfect. And as we drove up next to it, I kind of joked with my wife, would it be a deadhead? Would it be, you know, some teenager or something like that? Gentleman, probably in his 60s. Very proud of his VW bus driving down the street. The people that are obsessed with VW buses are actually a phylum of people. My wife also, through her quilting, knows a gentleman that restores VW buses. He might have sold this fellow on the road today. Yes. Right. But the people right. that are fans of them are just amazing fans of them. And the idea of a post-apocalyptic floating VW bus without the tyres, maybe with jet engines underneath or something like that, so many possibilities there. Particularly, you know, you can have dark future elements. You can have, like, fantastic anime elements. There are a whole series of different ways that you can take this thing. What are your early thoughts on what you're going to do to this VW bus? Oh, there's a bunch of things. Um, uh, some sort of flux capacitator on, on the, the, the roof. <laughs> What's the other one? Um, oh, yeah, using checker plate to block out the wheels. Ah, yes, yeah. So that it's not obvious. I mean, I mean, it is obvious because you're, you're, not, you're not trying to make that wheel opening go away. It's mm. just covered over with checker plate. Mm. Uh, that sort of thing. And 
do it basically the same. So it's like it's a rat rod sort of thing, like the one that I did in the junkyard. Now I I posted some pictures of this the the VW bus mm. that I did on yes. a on a website called Dioramas and Vignette Models. Mm. And to my surprise, the master judge made a comment on on the the model. He said I recently had a very rare privilege to judge this fine art at Torcan, which was the mm-hmm. the model. He says, a rare scene that does not need people to tell the story. Certainly. And then he said, it's on display at the hobby store. Well, I, I, that, I, that was completely right out of left field. You know, mm. I, I didn't see that one coming. And uh, obviously, he was impressed enough by it that he made the comment. Mm. So that's where I'm at. I have a few models painted by a few very amazing painters. And although my wife tells me on a regular basis that I need to sell them, I'm never parting with those models. <laughs> the skill and the vision that comes through the military modelling fraternity yep. is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the hobby is you know 20 years behind having not embraced this. I mean, obviously, the revisionaries such as yourself and Dave Ferreri and a wide variety of folk have been trying, dragging, hauling, you- trying to get the hobby to it. But yes. It's it's interesting though because when I develop my technique for weathering, I try to go back and tell some of the military guys mm-hmm. how I do it. They don't want to listen. Mm. Well, it's very individualistic. I mean, you have to be fair there. I understand yeah. that. Yeah, but they they don't want any part of it because I'm not part of their clique. Eh, yeah, you'll get that. You'll That's get the way that. I see it anyway. Yeah. And then this bit about the railroad guys, and it's it's still to this day, even though I've I've maybe converted a few, <laughs> I cannot get the railroad guys to cross that imaginary yeah. line in the hobby store. Yeah, it's a study. Anything to do with other than railroad, they don't want to know anything about. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, people are happy in their particular part of the hobby, and at the end of the day, you can't bemoan, you know, these circumstances, but... You, you know where I am in the spectrum here, Ralph, and I do appreciate the work that you're doing currently associated with encouraging folks to, uh, as you say, cross that imaginary divide in the hobby store, yeah. read some of the magazines that are available, get a sense that... Uh, Just think out of the yeah, box. Yeah. You've got no disagreement from me, Ralph. So. <laughs> it's always a pleasure catching up with you and getting your particular insight. Are you going to be meeting Jim Gifford and co? Are you working that out? or I don't know. I sent a note to him, He's, and I think he responded that it would be a good idea, so we'll yeah. see how it goes. I, I think the view is just super glue yourself to Lionel Strang for uh, the particular days, and you'll get to meet them somehow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Plus, now, I think he he was also wanted to get into Indy for a dinner, and he wanted to meet Jim Rin. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, Jim Rint is going to be at Indy. Yep. And I sent him a note there as well. You'll be able to Saying that maybe on Friday night. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sure it'll all work out, Ralph. These things tend to work out on the day. and it all They certainly together. do. <laughs> Always a pleasure chatting, Ralph. Congratulations on the award. I'm looking forward to what you devise. It sounds like a very p- peaceful future associated with this uh, VW bus. I always think that there's some kind of, you know, rebellion and military aspect to the... Uh, apocalyptic future but 
I'm probably a dying breed associated with that. Well, I have to ask you a question because so, apparently somebody came in the store the other day, mm-hmm. and you like you say you have some models that you won't part with, mm-hmm. and this Volkswagen bus to me is is my latest creation. Mm-hmm. It's it means a lot to me. Mm. Somebody came into the store and said to the owner, "Would he sell it?" And it sounded like he was willing to pay whatever I asked. Mm. You have to get used to that kind of thing, Ralph. I mean, certainly, I when I was in the UK, primarily, I was able to meet a number of my childhood heroes associated with modelling and painting and this kind of stuff. And through that, many of them were actually, as I found out, my contemporaries, because they were actually teenagers when they were publishing the magazines that I was reading as a teenager. Um, a few of them no longer can physically paint, some of the older gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And I think the movement from doing it for your own like pleasure and then commission work is a very interesting progression. But someone with your skill set, I mean, you do commission work already in model railroading, but I think it's just a progression that you're going to have to make with regards to your, I don't even know what we'll call it, your modeling, your painting, this kind of stuff. And in that case, what I found with the real high-end professionals is that they would give you outlandishly high numbers. And thankfully at the time I was in the UK, I was earning reasonable money and I had savings associated with this, and I could occasionally, for you know, literally a model, um, part with a reasonable amount of money. It's a personal preference thing, Ralph. You're going to have to come to terms with it in your in yourself. What I found with the older guys who had done it for a lifetime was that they actually owned very few models themselves. Their whole life was associated with painting and making people really happy. And it's interesting actually because I spent some uh, time with uh, Simon Hill in the UK, and he does commission work. And it's clear that he has a similar philosophy, that your production is something which will make someone else extremely happy for, you know, a lifetime, perhaps even future generations. But it's a personal preference thing, and it's something that you've got to come to terms with yourself, I think. Right. Well, like, I'm I'm collecting myself. I managed to get a <laughs> uh, a sketch from Trolls Kirk on... Uh, one of the sketches he did for his layout. Mm. So I have that framed. It's in my train room. Mm. So I, I'm I'm working at things like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the bane of my wife's existence because I think she thinks there's real money in them. My perspective is it'll be, I could never sell it for what it's worth to me. So that just pretty well eliminates the sale. Right on. <laughs> and my own proclivities are my own proclivities. I'm not recommending this to the general model rail radio listeners. But at the end of the day, you've got to appease some 10 to 12-year-old boy whose parents were recently divorced, sitting down reading a magazine, and I occasionally appease this 10 to 12-year-old But you know, if it was a 10-year-old kid that came up and asked me, uh, I might consider giving it to him. All these people are 10-year-old kids at heart, right? But that's true. That's true. We never, we never really grow up. You can't doing. deny that. So well, know, they're all 10-year-old my, kids. My tagline on my, my uh, emails is... Uh, growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Very good. Always a pleasure chatting, Ralph. I want to get in the, maybe one or two more people before we round out this show. But uh, congratulations. I'm really looking forward to the uh, hovering VW bus. The hovering one, yes. Okay. <laughs> Take Talk care. Take care. Bye. I'd like to welcome on a gentleman who has walked similar footsteps to me, at least with regards to a particular part of Wales and Andy Dixon's layout. Peter Stimple, how are you? 
I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm doing exceptionally well having traveled to the UK. It's amazing how a vacation can completely spin you on your uh, on your axis and put you pointing in a different direction. In terms of your time in Wales, obviously a great impact as well. Seeing the location, seeing Andy Dixon on location, this kind of stuff. What did you take away from your travels in that part of the world? You know, we, we, we were just blown away. I'm, I mean, my wife and I, we, we had rented a car. We were driving all over um, England. It was kind of just a, you know, big, big, huge trip that we had uh, just wanted to make. And, and uh, we were greeted by uh, Andy Dixon and Tom. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, their hospitality was amazing. Um, my head spun as we went to all these incredible <laughs> Welsh narrow gauge railways yes. and, um, you know, and, and it sounds like from what I, what I've uh, seen of your, your reports back that, um, you experience what I experienced, which is Andy Dixon is one of these magical fellows who immediately puts you at ease and, uh, you feel like you've known him forever. And, um, you know, we all just got along like jam and, yeah. Uh, jam and butter and um you know it was really wonderful and my wife and i just you know we we talk endlessly about about getting back there but we had a fantastic time yeah still have some scars from the uh coal and steam sputter from sitting too close to the locomotive <laughs> on one of those yes those uh railways but um you know just filled with incredible incredible memories yes um so what so, part of the uk is your wife from um, my wife is from um, a little little town just outside of uh, Manchester, mm. um, and um, um, she, you know, she, uh, we still have uh, relatives back there. Or she does, I should say. Yes. Um, so we started there, and um, um, kind of in the Peak District, and mm-hmm. then you know we rented a car, which I I promptly dented, um, <laughs> but. Um, you know, coming off of a narrow bridge and misjudging where the end of that that piece of granite was as I was trying to avoid Welcome another to the UK. car. Yes. Welcome yeah, to the but UK. you know, but then then we just sort of smiled and said, "Well, you know, glad glad we bought the insurance and okay. uh, now now we've broken it in and um, you know we went from there and um, did the Lake District, but mm-hmm. um, and we we even uh, went up to um, um, I mean we were all over. We went to Newcastle and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, saw we saw trains everywhere. Oh yeah! But I'll tell you what we we um, it was very interesting. You know, we had people tell us, "Well, why are you going to Wales?" And we got to Wales. It was so beautiful. Yes. Um, we, we wondered why people were even asking us that question. It's a funny it, thing because I've I've lived in the UK for a long period. Of, I've never been to Wales, and I think up until this time, obviously, and I think Wales is a mystery to many people that live in England. They don't cross the border. Obviously, there's a strange language and various other things. But it's very strange how regional people in England in particular are. I mean, even traveling up to the north for people in the south and vice versa, very rarely done. So it takes tourists like you and me in order to come to these places to actually cross these borders. Yeah. And and the thing is, is for me, you know, driving around England, you know, I'm I'm accustomed to driving around the Western United States. Mm. And, you know, so people are like, you're going where next? (laughs) And, um, (laughs) You know, for for us, it really wasn't a big deal. So, yeah. Um, but we we had a blast, and um, you know, and again, um, really impressed by Andy's layout, yeah. and um, and just really, really, really can't wait to get back there again. Certainly, I mean, for us, it was a reaffirming. We plan to retire in the UK um, for a variety of reasons, but having had this trip, it reaffirmed to us that maybe we should consider. Not just retiring in the UK, but actually moving there at some time in the 
you know, reasonable yeah. future, not immediate future. Well, my, my wife would love to get back, and the mm. thing is, is I, I've got another couple of years in my current position so, here. Um, but after that, I mean, all bets are off, and I, I think I think it's it's definitely in the cards for us to consider that. Um, I know my wife would love to be close to to her extended family over there. There's a much she has a much loved aunt and uncle over there, yeah. and um, you know, so who, you never know, and mm. uh, you know, we're open to any of it. It would be particularly funny if you and I actually met in the UK. Yeah, that would be particularly <laughs> funny. Well, you know, and the, and the odd thing is, is now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to meet up with Jim Gifford because I desperately want to meet meet up with Jim Gifford. Mm. But the thing is, I'm going to Korea mm. um, for part of the summer to do some work over there, and you know, it may um, put a put a big dent in the potential dates. So I'm mm. kind of scrambling, looking at the calendar. I just downloaded his. Uh, I just looked at his yes. web. Oh, yes website today so i'm gonna try and figure it out but i really hope to god i can make that happen you'd need to go to australia if you can't meet him this trip i've got yeah. to recommend well, that, that's what we'll have to do yeah i've got to recommend jim gifford's layout the people in his crew are just amazing salt of the earth people you have five to eight layouts immediately accessible to you in jim gifford's vicinity plus extended layouts in the adelaide area so yeah i i, I was born in adelaide so i'm mildly um <laughs> mildly biased to get people to Adelaide but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I think the Australia trip's definitely on our uh, on our list somewhere Very cool. and we'll, we'll find a way to make it happen so in terms of your model railroading we've kind of avoided that up until now what's been going on with your model railroading hobby well you know I've been um uh, you know obviously got, got you know back usual back and forth with work but um I've been uh 3d printing up a storm um, and, uh, for one reason or another, the, uh, world war one stuff has r risen to the top. The, the cream's risen to the top and I'm making really good pro progress on the Dick Kerr project. I, uh, I, um, the, I upgraded my 3d printer with, um, form labs. They had a, uh, they had a, a sort of a loyalty program and I decided to take the plunge and I'm mm. certainly glad I did because a lot of the issues I was having with the, um, the, some of the finicky stuff which is probably too technical to get into but um we're really resolved by the new printer and you know honestly using the skills they developed with the last printer and this printer i'm i'm batting a thousand in terms mm. of successful prints and um the dick kerr project is just rocketing along mm -hmm. and um i was working on designing the you know it's getting to the point now where i'm down to designing the brake shoes and drivetrain and i'm really looking forward to getting into assembling and painting the thing so um, it's just getting really fun and, um, um, you know, just, uh, it's really interesting. I've been working on a couple, um, O scale, uh, 19th century wagons and yeah. those been moving along, but, um, I got the, I got the printer fired up and that seemed to suck all the air out of the room as the Dick Kerr, uh, came to life before my eyes. And it's so for just, folks listening in that may not be familiar with this particular project, can you, can you give a broad definition of it? Well, I've been working on it for about three years, but there's a, 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 a petrol locomotive, you know, sort of the forerunner of the modern diesel locomotive mm. that was made during the First World War. And mm. the thing is, is because the roads were, were, were not good and everything was mud and people famously died by getting sucked into the mud and uh, the, the trucks couldn't, couldn't do it. The, the armies, both the, both the allies and the Axis relied on um, 
these uh, light railways to move mm. things forward. And of course, using a steam locomotive to move things near the front wasn't such a good idea mm-hmm. because it trained the artillery on you. So they made these petrol um, locomotives, and, and the Dick Kerr was a very um, interesting one. It's kind of a little boxy locomotive, but it's very cool um, thing. It's sort of in, in O scale. It's maybe the size of an uh, Atherton Hustler, like an HO scale switching, you know, it's a very small HO scale locomotive. It, it's kind of an O scale model that looks like it might be HO scale or even yeah, uh, smaller because it's, you know, really the, the fellow who is, if I, if you or I were driving it, we'd have to duck. <laughs> um, did you see and, my, did you see my photos um, with uh, Simon Hill and his crew on Ken's full size narrow gauge layout? They had two. I did. So I the, did. How do they? How do those locomotives compare to the locomotive that you're trying to model? Um, I think they're they're slightly smaller. Okay. Um, but um, but anyways, this this locomotive is really really quite wonderful, and mm. I, I did a lot of work in engineering to figure out how to fit it together, and mm. um, you know it's coming together it's coming together well, and I'm excited. Bruce Wilson was a was an angel, and um, you know because he's <laughs> really interested in the same the same subject. You know, a lot of us were interested in the World War One stuff, Certainly. and um, and he had some photos and some other items he sent me a while back, and also he had done all the legwork to find mm. out where to source the wheels. Certainly. Certainly. So you know, through the model rail radio network, you know, I have I have quite a bit under my belt. So um, I'm I'm taking a break from the body, and I'm I'm on to working out the drive. You know, getting the drivetrain finalized, Terrific. and I was just just modeling on it this afternoon been posting to the facebook group so there are some pictures there and and that's been uh that's been a lot of fun the idea of bruce wilson as an angel clearly an angel with owl wings yes absolutely but uh Um, so among yeah among the many great people who you encounter on model rail radio it's a funny thing i'm trying to get terry terrence onto the facebook group to round it out but he's he's going to be there eventually he's going to be there eventually so I thoroughly enjoy your Facebook presence. I like in particular your rogue gardening, uh, which mirrors some of my rogue gardening experiences as well. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the progress. It sounds like you've been posting photos while we've been talking, so I'll need to go. Oh, no, I, just 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 earlier today. Everything everything today is just is digital railroading. But yeah, no, I I think we both have some similar gar- gardening philosophies. So, <laughs> um, you know, Are you definitely. A short um, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a devoted stone ape, stone ape listener, but I'm not a, uh, I'm not, not into the short funk yet. But I, I, talk about, try it. I talk about gardening quite extensively in short funk, particularly because I'm adopting a Vietnamese gardening method this year, which is slightly too eccentric for my wife, but seems to be ticking all the right boxes for me. So it involves planting everything in pots and moving the pots around and you know, soil and various things associated with getting plants to mature earlier or later and this kind of stuff. So interesting. I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. I mean, I definitely started a trend around here because I, when I, when we, my wife and I bought this house, we moved mm. in, there were no front yard gardens. Mm. And the thing is we only had really good sun in this front corner of our yard. Mm. So the other three quarters of the yard were fenced off for the dogs. And this quarter of the yard became the, the veg patch. And, uh, you know, since we've done it, you know, three or four other front yard gardens have popped up. So I, I like to think that we broke the ice and, um, and, um, you know, got, got the ball rolling. I think there are a couple of people in the neighborhood who wish we just had lawn, but, um, you know, we're, we're enjoying it thoroughly and we need to get the sun where we can get it. Oh man. 
I used to yeah. subscribe to a New England gardening podcast, which may still exist or may have been pulled off. I can't remember what happened. But they advocated growing, like, vegetable onions and even, I think, some kinds of uh, lettuce and this kind of stuff in the ground, like lawn cover, and then progressively wow. cropping that. And that has been a vision that I've thought of associated with this New England garden, because my area is predominantly vegetables. I mean, I just love having fresh vegetables through the garden. Yeah. And the idea of growing, you know, sweet onions and various kind of herbs as lawn and then, you know, picking them accordingly just struck me as a probably the next step. I can't see myself getting there here because the rain isn't falling as frequently as it should. But, uh, yeah, yeah, there are some there's some real visionaries in your part of the world with regards to eccentric. Yeah, well, I'm slowly expanding my strawberry bed to to take over a substantial portion of the lawn. So. So we'll, we'll we'll get there one way or another. But in the meantime, it's kind of a, you know, fortunately the veggies are, are moving along. That's why I've been back in the studio if I'm not at work. So Very good. And, yeah, all, all fun. We'll need to exchange uh, preserves at some stage. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> we, we can a lot, and I will, I will gladly. I'm growing some really interesting. I'm growing a couple growing a couple colonial crops this year. Mm. I'm growing... Uh, I'm growing a red seeded citron, which is only, it's like, it's kind of related to a watermelon, but it's not really edible on its own, but it, it was evidently used to be used to a great deal for preserves. Certainly. And I'm growing a couple other unique, um, really unique old uh, heirlooms. So, so that should be interesting to see what comes of it. Mm. Always a pleasure chatting, Peter. And please. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care, Peter. See you. Bye-bye. I'd like to welcome on a gentleman who has moved recently, but also I was reminded of when I stayed with Andy Dixon. Well, I didn't really stay with him. When I visited Andy Dixon. Andy Dixon at the end, not at the beginning of my visit, but at the end of my visit, made the Ed Novit I'm Not Worthy pose as I was departing from his house. And I thought immediately of Ed Novit. I have the gentleman on the line. You've moved recently, Ed. What are your model railroading plans in your new location? Well, we've been down... um... We're living north of Indianapolis, so we've been down here now about nine weeks mm. so far. Uh, we're renting, ah. and we're going. Uh, we're in the process of having a house built oh, that wow. we'll get into probably around the October time frame. Very cool. So, what are my plans? My plans are: I'm very open in my thinking right now. I, uh, I've for. I don't know, the past eight, nine years, I've I've read a lot of the model rail and British railway modeler. Mm. You know, I'm really enamored with what they do in a small, comparatively small amount of space. Oh, and, um, you know, I've, I've had some dissatisfaction with large lifetime layouts. I took down my, what yes. was the start of my third lifetime layout. And I'm thinking, gee, wouldn't it be nice to build something that... Um, could actually be brought to about a 90% completion level in two years. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and I know on this show, you know, there's a lot of advocacy for for shelf layouts and micro layouts. And I'm thinking, sure, I could build something maybe in a couple of years. And even while I'm playing with that, I could start a second layout or a third layout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, you know, there's guys like Chris Navard out in England and... Certainly. You know, he'll he'll he's got like three layouts stacked up in different places of his workspace, and you know. But then I look at the room space and I say, well, 
you know, I could put a major town here yes. and I could put a yard there and the sugar factory could be here and the branch line to the agricultural could be here. And before you know it, I have another monstrosity that becomes like part of the structure of the house. Mm. So, um, but this space, the space I'm, I'm permitted to use this time around is different. Um, for the first time ever in my life, we're going to be in a house with no basement. Please don't hang up on me. Mm. <laughs> no basement, but uh-huh. yeah, but it's a, it's a ranch house. And in Indiana, we see a lot of what's called a bonus room and it's upstairs. So it's a ranch house. And then you go upstairs and there's a room that measures about 20 feet by 20 feet and it's finished or it will be finished when there's a house, you know, built. (laughs) So I'm thinking, okay, so instead of a dingy basement kind of environment with, you know, lumber hanging out everywhere and tools, extension cords and clamps being clamped every available surface for convenience. I may have, I am faced with working in a civilized space and I'm trying to imagine how a layout could kind of be, you know, comes in sync with its environment of a finished space. And so I've kind of been thinking along, you know, well, how, how do art galleries do this? You know, how do they you know, mount up displays and lighting and things so that it looks attractive. So I'm kind of thinking along those lines. And so to answer your first question, I, I'm not sure what direction I'm going with this. I mean, you know, and I could get into a really morbid kind of subject about these mega layouts and the, and the amount of equipment and, you know, somebody has to be alive to take them down someday and, I'm trying to think. I think refrigerator cars alone, I probably have more than 150 refrigerator cars. And there are people who have entire layouts, you know, that they built and enjoy. And maybe they they have less than 100 cars and a handful of engines. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, maybe the word scaling back is appropriate or doing several smaller projects instead of one massively long lifetime project and when you do one of these lifetime projects um my second layout to the last was a basement size deal it had about 400 feet of main line we were in the house for 17 years and it was just like never finished and i don't know that i was passionate enough about the hobby in general or my prototype in specific that uh where was i going with this i wasn't that passionate in either case that I mean, it got to the point where I almost figured I'm never going to see this through, and why bother? Yes. So, a question um, for you, Ed. Go ahead. When I was last on location, well, when I was on location with you, more importantly, you had only just learned about the Inglenook, and you seemed oh. quite enamored with the Inglenook at the time. Yes, 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 I did, and I, I still, I still am. In fact, I was looking at some PDFs on my iPad. And I have like one or two of Carl Arendt's Mm -hmm. uh, big PDFs there. And I was looking at that again. And in 2013, you had a, uh, it was probably the end of 2012 or early 2013, you had a layout design challenge. And I had started working on some sketches. And the idea was that there would be like a main line and a junction with another railroad and an interchange track. And then the idea is that there'd be some big railroad dropping cars at the interchange. The little railroad would pick up the cars from the interchange 
and bring them over to a small industrial area that would be, lo and behold, an ingle nook. Mm. So the ingle nook would have been part of um, part of the scheme of things. It would be the actual shunting part, if you will. Um, yeah, it's a shame because, gosh, thinking about it, you know, when I took down my last layout, I mean, there there were parts of it that I could have said, well. Why don't I just hold on to this? If I move a couple tracks, I can turn it into an ingle nook. And I didn't mm. do that. But we all know that a quick trip to the hobby store and a, a sack full of track and some switches, it would be easy to do an ingle nook in HO. Mm. That would be a good idea. It can keep me busy. Mm. I wouldn't even need a powered locomotive, would I? No. You could use a fuser <laughs> or a non-volt battery. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, forget the battery, uh, Professor. This will just be uh, um, <laughs> a mule power. <laughs> yes. Do they call them 050s? Is that the joke in the hobby? Yeah, that's the term, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, what's your rolling sack? Well, I got some freight cars and my motive power is an 050. <laughs> oh, and I can even, and it's equipped with sound. Do you want to hear? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Maybe you don't. I don't care. I don't think the listeners would care to. <laughs> You're well known. Oh. You're well known a model rail radio. Well, this all sounds very promising, and I think it this does. kind of philosophy is is important in the hobby. Particularly, we have on people periodically. I think of Mike O'Dorney most recently, where they have an operating group or a, a work group, basically, where people are periodically passing away. And I yep. think we have to think of the hobby in these kind of terms. I mean, particularly because, unfortunately. Women tend to outlive us, and women tend to not want to be burdened by these kind of things. So the idea of scaling back over, you know, and actually having something functional that is, as you say, nearly 90% complete, or maybe even closer to 100% complete, but is something that can enable us to enjoy the hobby. And also, you know, there are clubs and there are other things that people can join as well if they want, you know, larger operations and this kind of stuff. In terms of your area... You knew a lot of folk in the Chicago area, but in terms of your new area, do you have a sense of the model railroading hobby in the area? I absolutely don't, and it's by good fortune, I'll say good fortune, that the um, Model Railroad Association thing is happening here because Mm. there's a lot of layouts that will be on tour, so it kind of lets me peek, even if I don't go on those bus tours, kind of gives me a peek into what there is Mm -hmm. in the area. But the Layout Design Special Interest Group, um, are you familiar with that? I am very familiar with that particular group. Okay, so the Layout Design Operations SIG are having a special deal on Wednesday and the Wednesday of the week. So that's the 6th, I think. It's an extra fair event, but money well spent because you're going to a select group of layouts that are either – very well executed from a design and operation standpoint, or they might be nothing more than a lot of bench work coming together with roadbed and ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go on that and, um, and I'm more interested in that than going to operating sessions right now, because this way I can see layouts. I can talk to owners Mm -hmm. and, you know, operations. When you find out there's an operating layout, you, casually and politely and professionally you invite yourself to get invited and uh, so around the indianapolis area i don't think i know a single soul but lafayette is about an hour north of indy and there are three or four modelers there that i've known over the years um 
I've operated at their place a couple times and operated with them at these various um, kind of regional round robin-y things. Uh, Then they've been over to my previous layouts. And I think what I'm going to do right away is connect up with them. I mean, they know I'm down here and Mm. it's like, hey, you know, put me on the crew call, you know, once, twice a month. I'll make the drive up to Lafayette. Mm. So, but I'm really looking forward to that Wednesday um, because, you know, you can carpool with people. You can invite people to ride with you. It's a very social thing. And, you know, birds of a feather, people who like the same kind of stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I can't predict whether or not I'll get to the national, but all predictions point to no currently. Funnily enough, the way that I got to the UK, Ed, was I gave my boss a week and a half notice. And I knew (laughs) what was happening, and I knew it should be okay to get a week off. And that's how I got to the UK. And it offended a bunch of UK listeners, and apologies to the listeners again that weren't able to meet up due to the short notice. But that seems to be the way that I'm traveling currently, and unfortunately I don't think I'll make it to the national. But I'll be there in spirit, one way or another. We, we as, your, as your ducklings, with you being like the mother goose, you know, and we all follow the mother goose, mm-hmm. we will all be thinking very fondly of you. If you aren't there in person, you're, you'll be there in spirit. Very good. That's the intention. And please, everyone, post to Facebook, because I live vicariously through Facebook where sure. these things go on. You got it. Very cool. And it's a real pleasure to catch up with you. I'm, it's, it's amazing that, you know, years go past and I haven't had the chance to, to chat with you. But uh, I've been following your move on Facebook, and I, I didn't shed a tear, but I was noticeably sad when you, you know, crushed up your old lout and took off particular sections <laughs> of track. Tragic, Tom. That was the word, tragic yes. of the day, yes. yes. So, But moving forward and um, with prospects unknown, but moving forward. Very good. Always a pleasure chatting, Ed. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the National. Enjoy I it. will. Good talking with you, Tom. Nice catching up. What an amazing show. I mean, the experiences in the UK were pretty untouchable and our general experiences of meeting listeners and talking with listeners and picking their brains and explaining a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Andy Dixon really did pick my brains very heavily associated with the behind-the-scenes stuff associated with Model Rail Radio. But uh, just such a pleasure meeting folk. And I do this, I'm doing this in a rather hot room currently. Hopefully there is an air conditioner in here, Jim Gifford. You will be able to survive here, but I don't run the air conditioning when I record. And... You know, it just feels like I'm talking to the ether sometimes, that I'm talking with people that are just voices coming back at me. But to go to the UK and to meet a bunch of folk that are passionate listeners to Model Rail Radio, that post frequently to Facebook group, that really get involved, always a life-changing experience. And then to come back today and record with another bunch of folk, some of who I'm meeting soon, some of who I've just had the opportunity to chat with for a number of years. This is what Model Rail Radio is all about for me, and it's always a real pleasure to have the chance to chat with folk and occasionally to meet folk on location as well. So thanks to everyone for calling in today. Thanks to the variety of folk I met in the UK and apologies also to the folk who would have loved to have met but had family things on and yeah, it was just unfortunately a very short planned trip and one that came together relatively quickly via Facebook posts and these kind of things. But thanks to the folks for listening in today and thanks to the folks for calling in. Good afternoon. Good night, Tom. Good night, Tom. Good night. Good night. Good night, Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.